Welcome to Global Truth Center. I'm okay. I've always been. And I'll always be that way. Can you live from that? Everybody? Yeah. That's called faith. That's remembering who you are so clearly that no matter what happens, you're like, I'm okay. I've always been okay. Therefore, I will always be okay. As opposed to the other type of living, which is always waiting for the shoe to drop. Anybody get caught in that sometimes? It's like, this is way too good. Something's got to happen. No, it's like, this is way, way, this is good because there's more good to experience. That's the trick. So the title of my talk today is On the Line. On the Line. Now, I just want to talk for a moment about what it means. To put something on the line means that something is in danger of being lost or changed, irrevocably changed. Like when, you, when something's on the line, like your job is on the line or your relationship is on the line. How many of you have had any experiences or times in your life where you have noticed that something is on the line for you? I think most of us have had experiences where we've gotten somewhere and it's like, this is on the line. And the question is, what does that mean? What does it mean? Does it mean I don't have faith in it? Does it mean that I think something's going to happen? But here's the interesting part of this. To be on the line means that something is in danger of being harmed or lost, ready? As a result of something you're doing. <laughs> uh-huh, exactly, ah. That's the only reason it's on the line. Nothing can ever be on the line that you didn't put there. Do you know that? Some of you are like, uh-uh, uh-uh. There are things in the world that are not my fault. Really? Not so sure about that. So, um, you know what you're doing all the time? So our theme this month is daring, right? So do you know what you are doing? You know what you are daring to do all the time? What do you think you're daring to do all the time? Yell it out. Breathe. Breathe. That was good. That, not, not where I'm going. Live. Okay, good. Create. Create. Close. Expand. Who said expand? Good for you. Think. Thrive, I, yes, that's good. Thinking, you are thinking all the time. Even right now, you're thinking. You're thinking something. You're like, why did he choose that shirt? <laughs> I only say that because I wore a shirt here that was unacceptable, apparently, to the cameras, and I had, they had to find me the shirt today. I'm like, wow, purple and gray all at once. You're thinking <laughs> all the time. That's what you're daring to do at all times. At all times, you're daring to think. So, daring. Adventurous or audaciously bold in action or thought. How many of you relate to that definition? Good for you. Adventurous. How many of you are adventurous? Raise your hands boldly. How many of you are not adventurous? I tricked you, and some of you wrote it. Yes. How many of you are audacious? 
Sometimes, okay. How many of you are bold in action and thought? That means you boldly go where no men have ever gone. Daring. Okay, so now that we know what daring means, it also means this. Bold, courageous, fearless, intrepid, adventurous, all of these things. So Ernest Holmes said this. We are immersed in the atmosphere of our own thinking. The operative word there, by the way, is own. Your own thinking. Because you may think you walk into the atmosphere of someone else's thinking and someone else's consciousness, and you may think that you are subject to all of this. You're not. You are only subject to your reaction to it. So Ernest is very right here. We are all immersed in the atmosphere of our own thinking. This decides what shall take place in our lives. So just imagine how daring you are to use your mind to think your life into being. And you're doing it every second of every day. Every reaction you have, every conversation you have, every time you read something, your interpretation of it, every time you get caught up in Conversations that are gossipy. How many people here like gossip? Do not raise your hands. <laughs> Gossip's not so good because, you know, gossip means that you're getting someone else's interpretation of what happened. And gossip brings down organizations and brings down friendships. Gossip is not truth. But we get caught up in it. But you know what? We only get caught up in it because for some reason, <laughs> we like gossip. So we get caught up in it. We step into it. It's not the gossip that's the problem. It's not the conversations that's the problem. It's your stepping into them. And that's what he says. This decides what shall take place in our lives. That's how daring you all are. You are daring to think every single day and create your life. You know, sometimes when I put these talks together, I'm like, I've said this a million times. Why does it feel so interesting to me today? Why do I wake up and suddenly feel like it's interesting to me that I am daring to think? Because I'm starting to really get it that my thinking is creating my experience. I read that 30 years ago when I began this science of mind journey with Dr. David Walker, hearing him say it. But I got to tell you, here I am 30 years later, 20 years into a, into a ministry where it still feels like every day I wake up and go, oh my God. Do you know what Ernest Holmes said? He said, we are immersed in the atmosphere of our own thinking. I can no longer blame my mother. <laughs> or my father, or my brothers, or my Jerome Robbins. So many people that I could list right now that I'd love to blame for the life I have led. But guess what? It's me. I put myself there. I lived there. And that's the daring part. But here's the best part. You now get to dare to do it again. I dare you right now to think of something in your life that you want to expand and see it as expanded. I dare you to do that. I dare you to think of something in your life that you want to do, that you are ready to do, and I dare you not to put any negatives in there. I dare you not to argue yourself away from your good. I dare you. I dare you to do that because that's what you're doing every single day. Every single day, you are daring to create the life you're ready to live. So I've been reading this book called Living an Examined Life by James Hollis. Anybody read it? 
well, I've just decided to use it as in our curriculum for practitioner studies. I'm going to start Prac 2 in the fall, and I'm going to, that's the first book they're going to read. So if you're, on, if you're listening today and you notice you're in my class, get the book. Living an Examined Life, James Hollis. So I want to go over this one quote. It's a phenomenal quote, and we're going to break it down. And I made a mistake on this quote. So I was reading the quote over again just five minutes before the service. I went, I want to look at that quote again. And I read it and I went, that seems wrong. I went back and looked it up and I went, I wrote the wrong word. Let's see if you can find it. <laughs> and then I ran up to, to Gilmore. I went, you got to take this word out. He goes, I can't. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'll dare to do this with the wrong quote. So to become a person does not necessarily mean to be well adjusted. Aren't you happy to hear that? <laughs> Funny. Yes. To become a person does not necessarily mean to be well-adjusted, well-adapted, approved of by others. Are you happy to hear that? So to become a person that you want to be, it doesn't mean anybody has to like you. You good with that? Some of you are like, what? But I love that idea. You're not here to make people like you. You are here to like yourself. And those that like you will like you. And those that don't like you, highest and furthest. What that means is, I pray for their highest but furthest. Yes. So, <laughs> to become a person does not necessarily mean to be well-adjusted, well-adapted, approved of by others. It means to become who you are. We are not meant to become more eccentric, more peculiar, more odd. There's my mistake. Somehow I put not in there and it's not in there. I know, right? And when I read it again, I was like, wait a minute, we're not meant to become more eccentric? No, the quote is, we are meant to become more eccentric, more peculiar, more odd. How many people here are odd? From where I'm standing, you're all odd. Everybody is odd because we're not any, like anybody else, right? So we are meant to become more eccentric, more peculiar, more odd. We are not meant just to fit in. So for those of you that are still trying to fit in to somebody else's idea of who you are, dare to be who you came here to be, whoever that is, whatever that is. And if you are in a job that does not support you, a job that does not serve you, a job that does not allow you to be who you really want to be, quit. As soon as you get your money in order. But that's true, because some of people are in jobs that they can't quit. So I, I, I wouldn't dare say to you, just quit it, unless you had the consciousness to be able to do that. And some of us do. I have always, I was doing a musical, 42nd Street. I was playing the young, leading, whatever they call him, the juvenile. <laughs> Those days are gone. The juvenile in 42nd Street. And it was an entire year. How many of you have ever seen that musical? Okay, it's a phenomenal, this is the original, by the way, I'm that old, not the revival, the original 42nd Street. And so I am doing this show for a year, and I am tap dancing my life away, and I'm just not enjoying it. I mean, I'm having fun with the money and all that stuff, and the notoriety, and the stardom, and all, and, you know, you leave the dressing, you leave the stage door, and all the girls are screaming, and boys too. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> thank you, and... But I tell you, there was one night I was on the dime. They rolled out this gigantic dime, like, like half the size of this stage. And, and then all these girls and boys stand around like this, pointing to you while you tap dance like a 
a monkey on a dime. And you're just tap dancing and tap dancing and tap dancing in this green sequined outfit. It doesn't get gayer than that. And you're just dancing and dancing and dancing. And then everybody does this thing at the end and you're dancing forever. And we wonder why we're so thin as dancers. And we're just dancing and dancing and we freeze. It was in Boston. 2,000 people screamed and stood up and just cheering. And literally I was like, I don't remember doing this number. How did I get here? Literally, because during the entire number, I was like, where am I going for dinner tonight? I mean, I'm still doing it all. And I was like, I got to give my notice. I have to be done. And I remember I called my dad and said, I'm going to quit the show. He went, are you insane? This is the biggest part you It wasn't. All this money you're making. I quit the show. I left the show. I was making a lot of money and took a job doing a play for $145 a week where I played a paraplegic. Uh, it was called the 5th of July, where I played a guy with no legs and I had to walk around on crutches. So I thought, well, this will do it. I'm so annoyed at tap dancing. Can't tap dance this character. <laughs> and I dared to go work for $145 a week, and I am so happy I did, because it was the right thing to do. So you must be willing to dare yourself, as it says right up here, we are meant to become more eccentric, more peculiar, more odd. We are not meant to just fit in. We are here to be different. We are here to be the individual. Now, we teach that we are the individualized expression of God, yes? So what is God? If God is everything, the allness of life, and I'm the individuality of that, it makes no sense that I would have to live a small life. And small is what you decide is small, by the way. Because sometimes the biggest life is just finding love, settling down, and sitting on a dock and looking at a sunset. That can be the biggest life ever. It doesn't mean you have to cure cancer. But it's up to you to decide what that is. But that's why we are here. And I'm here today to dare you. Exactly. <laughs> to dare you, dare you to contemplate that life. So that's James Hollis. His, his book is really, really helping me, um, really helping me to understand a lot more of this philosophy. So when I say dare you to be your greatest self, it actually means that you have to now know who that is. Who is your greatest self? You have to be willing to say, okay, I will live my greatest self. And there are no limitations. See, we think of ourselves as the product of everything that's come before us. And as the product of everything that's come before us, I can point to a lot of my failures. I can point to my weaknesses. I mean, I don't have any, but I'm doing this for you. <laughs> I can point to, to all the things that I would love to change about myself. Does anybody have things they'd like to change about themselves? Why don't we just change them? You know, what are we waiting for? I mean, we're not getting younger. Let's just change them. So if all of this is who I think I am, it's pretty easy to live a limited life because I'm going to say, well, I didn't do it then, I didn't do it then, I didn't do it then. That's not who we are. It is not who we are. We are the infinite in the individual, tapping back into the infinite and living from that perspective. Not the infinite in the individual, living life and now tapping into life from this perspective. Wouldn't you rather be here? Yes, so would I. So this is another quote by James Hollis. In the second half of life, how many people here would say they're in the second half of life? 
You're probably not. <laughs> Anybody think they're not in the second half of life? Just you. Okay, that's good. You, good, good, okay. Well, well I, I'm 67, so if I live to 100 and 120, 135, this will not be the second half of my life yet. And that's possible. Anybody think they can live to 135? Did you, did you just shake your head no? You went, no. Anybody want to live to 135? That's it. I do. I want to live to 135, 140, 150. If I can be awake, aware, know where my shoes are, I'm going to be fine. That's what I want. So let's go to this quote. In the second half of life, the questions become, who, apart from the role you play, are you? Oh my God, that's a huge question. Who, apart from the role you play, are you? What does the soul ask of you? And by soul, that means what does your truthful, authentic self ask of you? There is something inside of you that is just begging you to listen. That's saying, there's so much more you can be, so much more you can do, so much more you can experience. Notice I didn't say so much more you can have. That's one of our pitfalls. I don't need to have anything more in my life. I have amazing friends. I have an amazing husband who's on a plane right now to Greece. I have a lot of money. I have possessions. I have a lot of stuff. And it's still nothing compared to what I am. And that's the, the paradigm shift we must make. We must move from having to being. And so when he says here, what does the soul ask of you? It asks you to stop being preoccupied with the having and start focusing on the being. Do you have the wherewithal to shift course to deconstruct your painfully achieved identity? I love this quote. Risking failure, marginalization, and loss of collective approval. I'm going to read that again. Try not to get indigestion. <laughs> Do you have the wherewithal to shift course to deconstruct your painfully achieved identity, risking failure, marginalization, and loss of collective approval? He says, no small task. So what he's asking you is, or what I'm going to say is this. Would you be daring enough to change your entire life up if you found that it wasn't serving you? Any aspect of it. We talk about the four legs of the table, health, wealth, creative expression, and the other one? Health, wealth, creative, and relationships. Health, wealth, creative expression, and relationships. We always forget one. No, I never forget one of them. So all four of those, would you be daring enough to throw them all into turmoil and just say, I'm willing to do this all over again? I'm willing to, here goes nothing. And yet, here goes everything. Would we be willing to do that? That's what this month is about. That's what this theme is about. That's what we're here to do. And, and I have to tell you, I, I'll share this with you. I, I feel like I'm in the midst of that because, because I decided that I wanted to serve two communities. And there are people that are not happy with me serving two communities. And I get that, and I understand that. We had a big town hall in Los Angeles last week to address it. And I, but the truth is, at the end of the day, I am willing to throw it all aside and just... Thank you. I appreciate it. 
but, but I am willing because this is me. This is my life and my creativity and what the hell do I get to be out in the world and where can I take this message to expand it out into the universe, to take the quantum understanding of science of mind and take it out into the world so that we actually understand that Ernest Holmes was brilliant in what he said, even though he didn't have any proof. Now we have the proof, a lot of it. So someone has to start telling the proof and start connecting these two things. So I want to do, I can't do that in a box in some city. I need to be out all over the place. So, and, and, and the reason I say that is because it's this quote, I am willing to do all that. And I love when it says risking failure. That's not, I'm not even gonna entertain that. Marginalization, I've experienced that. And loss of collective approval. I've lost a little bit of my collective approval rating, but it's okay. I think we have to be willing to do that. We must be willing to just throw it all up in the air, say, here goes nothing, yet here goes everything. So we serve the world by finding out what feeds us. Do you know what feeds you? You must, you must, you must. I dare you to find out what feeds you. That's why I have that saying in my office in Los Angeles. I'm going to put it in here too. And it says, if you're not being fed, don't come here to eat. Just think about that. How often do we go to Ace Hardware to buy milk? <laughs> we don't, because they don't serve milk. But there are those that will go to Ace Hardware and complain and moan and say, why don't you serve milk? And their answer is, we're a hardware store. <laughs> so we serve the world by finding out what feeds us and having been fed, share our gifts with others. You, you are no good to anybody unless you are so fed up, <laughs> fed up, that works, unless you are so fed, so full of who you are that you can now turn around and say, oh my God, I see you. I absolutely see you. I see who you are because I know who you are because I know who I am. And it all starts with the eye, right, Dr. Sam? As children, we listen to the sound of the sea still echoing in the shell, shell that should be shell, um, still echoing in the shell, we picked up by the shore. That ancestral roar links us to the great sea which surges within us all. Now, I want to invite you to do something. Just put your hand on your ear. Just listen for a minute. Can you hear the sea? You don't even need a shell, do you? You just put your hand there. Now, put the other one up. You know why you can hear it without a shell? <laughs> Thank you for asking. <laughs> because of what is up on there, that ancestral roar, the energy of the entire universe is right there in your mind. And if you would be willing to listen to it, you will hear its roar. I dare you to hear the roar inside of you today that is asking you to meet it, to recognize it, to identify it, and then to be it. You can do that any moment, just here I am. I am the roar of the universe. So I invite you today, as we move through this beautiful month of daring, to put your life on the line. Put all of you on the line. Don't worry, just like Karen sang at the end of the song. 
I'm okay. I've always been, and I'll always be that way. On the line or off the line, your choice. I say, if you put yourself on the line, take a look at that beautiful little bird. It sees everything. Get up on that line. Just like the tightrope in Barnum, just get up there. You may be shaking. You may make up the lines as you go across. You may be scared to death. I would rather be there than, as Karen said, in the apathy of living a life that is not being well lived. So I dare you to hold those hands up to your ears, listen to the roar of life, and then say a resounding yes to it. Namaste. Hi, this is Dr. James Mellon, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message and ask you for your support. Your tax-deductible donation to Global Truth Center ensures that we can continue to provide you with this form of inspiration each week. To make a contribution now, please visit our website at globaltruthcenter.org. Again, thanks for listening. Namaste.